This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Shalom Aleichem. This is brought to you by Rabbi Yehuda Shane, the administrator of Kashrus Anytime, which is a division of the Kosher Consumers Union, a 501c3 organization. We'll discuss some of the items of the process of making cheese. There's various different cheeses. There's cottage cheese, there's baker's cheese, farmer cheese, cream cheese, hard cheeses, and everything in between, basically. But we'll start with some basic ones. There are so many, many varieties of cheeses, so we'll start with basics and eventually cover more varieties from the soft ones through the hard and aged varieties. Cheese is made from the curds produced when milk is coagulated and is a fermented milk product. When milk gets old, the particles start um, coming apart in the milk, when it starts getting sour, that's basically part of the fermenting problem. Uh, it is part of the fermenting of the milk and that's how you start making cheese. Years ago what they used to do, they used to put it into a pouch that they took from the stomach of a of a cow or a calf, and that started uh, forming the the milk to coagulate, etc., etc. Microbes play an important role in determining the type of cheese that is made. When milk is coagulated, it will separate into curds and whey. The curd is somewhat solid, and the whey that comes out is liquid. Because actually, basically, in milk is 80% water. That's why you would need approximately 10 pounds of milk to make a pound of cheese. The main types of milk used to make cheese are from cows, sheep, and goats. In Australia, and also in Australia, there's an abundance of sheep and goat cheeses. Very big varieties. The approximate percentages of fat are cow is 3.8%. Goat is 6%, and sheep is 9%. So that's why you'd get a much more cheese out of sheep and out of goat, because basically they're two to three times more fat content than cow. And to make a good cheese, the more fat you have, the more cheese you have. Milk is mostly water, approximately 88%. The remainder are mainly proteins, minerals, and sugar lactose. When you see lactose on the ingredient, which comes from sugar, which is a sugar, but it actually comes from milk. There are two types of proteins in milk, casein and albumin. The casein helps in coagulating the milk. Albumin is in the whey, which is what runs off from the thing, but the whey eventually is used for a number of other items. Whole milk sold in stores has approximately 4% fat. Most of the fat will end up in the curd. It would go to say that the higher the fat content, the softer the curd and the cheese texture. Skim milk is used to make the starter cultures and the lower fat cheeses such as Romano, Parmesan and cottage cheese. After the milk coagulates the whey is removed, not gotten rid of but just removed and the curd is processed into cheese. The cheese contains almost all of the vitamins, minerals and nutrients of the milk. It would take approximately 10 pounds of milk to make one pound of cheese. Note, the whey is used also for butter. The issue is by non-chal Yisrael butter, which some people are using 
Chol Yisrael milk and cheese, yet they used non-Chol Yisrael butter as brought in certain Svarim. But now they also use the whey from cheese for butter, which that whey has to be given as Yisrael, which very often it's not. But besides that fact, using non-Chol Yisrael butter would fall under the same category now as all non-Chol Yisrael milk, which is a serious concern about the veterinarian procedures that are done on cows between 4 and 8% that makes those cows basically become a trafer. We're talking about bloating, DA, C-section, etc. We've addressed this uh, more at length at a previous podcast, which you could review that one. Cheese making is divided into two parts, the manufacturing process and the ripening of the cheese. Manufacturing is essentially the first 24 hours from pasteurization to salting. Pasteurization is treating the milk with heat for a short period of time to destroy some of the bacteria that are harmful to humans. Many bacteria and bacteria spores will still remain in the milk after pasteurization. It's these bacteria that will cause milk to sour. Bacteria is also used to acidify the milk. There is a natural bacteria always in milk. The reason to raise the acid level from the bacteria of the milk, and you want to raise the acid level in the milk, is to lower the pH of the milk. The higher the acid, the lower the pH. And if it's more alkaline, basically the pH goes up. The amount of acid has a direct effect on the coagulation. Curd strength, among other effects on the cheese process. Too much acid will cause the cheese to be crumbly. Low acid will cause the cheese to have a pasty consistency. So you have to play around till you get the desired consistency. All of the major companies have already come up with a formula of what, what ratio to what works best for them. Bacteria feed on the lactose in the milk and produce lactic acid. As time goes, the lactic acid increases, thereby achieving a lower pH in the milk. Lemon juice or vinegar can also be used instead of bacteria. If uh, is at a, a wedding of a mitzvah, a job, whatever else it is, and uh, like the hotels or others, they will sometimes take the container. They never serve the power of the milk in, the, in its own container, usually not. They'll put it into um, a pitcher. If the mashgich has a sphakus, if the pitcher, if it's the power of the milk or it's regular milk they put in there, you put in a couple of drops of lemon juice, and if it coagulates, you know that they're really using regular milk instead of the power of the milk. Dehydration is the removal of the water. As the pH is lowered, the structural nature of the proteins also change. The casein proteins that form from the curds entraps water and fat. There are three methods used to cause milk to coagulate. By the addition of enzymes such as rennet, bringing the acid to a pH of 4.6 which they do that without heat, or bringing an acid to a pH of 5.2 with heating it. The most common method being used for regulation is by the addition of enzymes, rennet, etc. The physical properties of, of enzyme-coagulated cheeses are superior to the acid-coagulated cheeses. The enzymes used to coagulate milk may come from a number of sources, animals, plants, and fungi. The most common source is rennet. Rennet is made from the lining of the fourth stomach of calves. The most common enzyme used to regulate milk, as we said, is rennet. The calves are milk-fed 
and are usually less than 10 days old, and young calves are used because they stop making himsome as they get older. So at 10 days is just the right time because you can't shecht it before, before 8 days. The most important enzyme in rennet is himsome. Rennet would therefore be a problem for the coach consumer. Renin is the name given to the enzyme fraction of rennet. Until recently, the only source of renin was calves' stomachs. Science and, um, science and chemists have created a system for the enzyme hemisome that does not require calves. Using genetic engineering, the gene of the hemisome was cut from a calf cell and they were able to produce an exact microbe copy of the calf hemisome. Microbes replicate and grow rapidly, thus a supply of renin is available. Starter cultures. Cheese making also requires a starter culture, and yogurt the same way. The natural culture in milk is destroyed by the heat treatment given to the milk. It's uncontrollable and unpredictable. With starter cultures, you can control the flavor, aroma, inhibit undesirable organisms. There are single-strain cultures and mixed or compound cultures. In the compound cultures, each strain will provide its own specific characteristics. The commercial manufacturer of starter cultures will make them in different forms. They'll make them frozen, freeze-dried, or spray-dried. The frozen ones has to keep it at a very, very low temperature, like minus 40. There are a number of steps necessary for preparing starter culture ready for cheese production. There's a mother culture, first inoculation. All cultures will originate from mother culture, and many of these mother cultures are many, many years old, 50 to 75 years old. The mother culture is not made from cholesterol, kosher supervised milk. And the mother culture may have also come from an animal that was halakhically treif because of a mortal injury that makes it treif. The, uh, because of the operations that are done on cows, the most common ones being for bloating, for displaced abomasum, which is called DAs, or for C-section, and it averages between 4 and 8% in each farm, and shishim is only 1.6. So basically, the milk taken from there is a problem of possible trafers. So there really is, according to Moshe and others, there is no such a thing in the United States as Cholobstam. It's either Chol Yisrael or Chol Many of the cultures are from the Chris Hansen Company, which is an OK certified facility. The OK confirmed to me that they never took into consideration in determining that the cultures were or were not from trafe procedure cameras. The Chol Yisrael processes do a three-time procedure to alleviate the Chol of Akam issue, but it does not alleviate the more serious trafe issue. So by all of these cultures they're getting now, they have to either make new cultures or come up with some solution because basically they may very well be from trafers. By the way, when we spoke to the OK regarding their sources for milk and other issues for Chris Hansen, the OK personnel have an interesting imagination. They have a Kriyachadimian that leads them to believe that then it's not that they're not saying the truth, but that they could decide that now which is 4 p.m. in the mid-afternoon over here, by then it could be night. So they basically were not giving correct information, and uh, after the uh, OK executive 
was on the telephone with me, and he thought that he really um, got away with selling me a bill of goods. So the OK executive were extremely happy after that call. We were able to verify the information they gave us that it was intentionally to mislead us and the kosher consumer as well. Therefore, we did not use their Chris Hansen culture. Additives. The following may all be added to the milk cheese process. Calcium, nitrates, color, hydrogen peroxide, and lipases. Lipases comes from animals. Calcium is added to replace the calcium working characterization. Calcium also reduces the amount of venom required. The nitrates control some undesirable effects in cheeses, such as the Swiss and Edam cheeses, but not in the real soft cheeses. Lipases are normally present in the raw milk, but are inactivated during pasteurization, so they have to add in new ones. Lipses may be added to ensure proper flavor development. I would like to end with, uh, I will continue other podcasts about cheese at another time, but I want to end with the story of Rabat Cheshwab. Rabat Cheshwab was uh, considering to move to Etzrael. I met him in Etzrael. Uh, he was waiting in front of the Malone Americas. I uh, met him over there, and he asked me if I could spare for him a few hours. You just can't tell to Rabat Cheshwab that you don't have the time. So I used the telephone. I made some arrangements, changed my appointments, and uh, I asked him where we're going to. So he says the car is going to pick him up to show him some place where they're going to build a new uh, Kiryat. We got into the car with another few people, and we went to a big open empty mount not far from Yerushalayim, which is called today Mala Adudam. And the person was explaining that basically there's going to be 10 different sections over here, and this is where we're going to make it, and he, he, they're getting one section, etc. And after he finished his whole speech, he asked everybody, anybody has any questions? So the Matzah Schwab says, Mein is Please ask whatever you want to ask. So I asked, is uh, the whole development of 10 sections that are all going to be from? He says, definitely not. One section we know will be from. I say, is that section going to be the last one on the main road? So we could close off that part for Shabbos? And he says, no, he doesn't believe so. It's someplace in the middle. He's not sure which one, but he does not believe it's the one on the end of the road because he wants to be able to get his development up early on the end of the road or first beyond the end. So I um, asked, is the, when, at what point in the development is there going to be the, the, all the public facilities, such as the mikvahs, the batimadrashim, the shuls, the stores, all of these public facilities, when are they going to be ready? So the one that was making this whole project said that in the beginning of the second section is when they're going to have all these things done. So I said, okay, the Matre Schwab is going to take in the first building of the second section. Once we know that everything is there, but he's not going to take anything, basically, he's not going to move in or continue unless we have that all of these public facilities are done. They asked all the people have any questions and basically everybody basically had the same questions about this and basically everybody wanted to have the second or third section so basically there's nobody for the first section and basically the development did not go up and ultimately the Mothra Schwab did not move there at all. On one of my visits to the Schwab's house, which I was there pretty often, uh, discuss other various other issues with him. Then he shows me that on top of his break front, he has hidden the copies of my B'nai Torah Kashas letter, which he always reads. 
he says he doesn't really share it with the family. He doesn't want them that they should feel they have to do something. He says they could do whatever they want, but he makes sure that he follows everything what it is, and he'd appreciate if I uh, make it a little bit more often. I was only doing this once every year, two, three months, and he wanted to have something more often. And he says he makes sure that he cleans for paste on top of that cabinet so nobody sees the thing and that, uh, that he keeps it over there. Okay, Colton, we'll continue another time at another podcast, Colton.